This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at NordVPN. Take advantage of a special holiday season deal for LazerTime listeners only. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. Everybody, happy new year and welcome to episode 452 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Rapara, is coming to you from the Eric Delaquila Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who else is joining me at the this level? Count Delacula. Damn it, I missed it. It was a joke I made off mic and now it's ruined. Eric, your name is fun. Um, <laughs> I'm Chris Antista, and this is definitely not me from last week. And human podcast host Matthew Daytona. Oh, actually, I better remove the toothpick so you can recognize me. Hi, oh. uh, Matt Matthew Allen. It's been you all along. Jackie Daytona <laughs> reference? That was a Jackie Daytona What was reference. actually in your mouth, though? I want to know just for behind the scenes. Oh, uh, it's, it's something you put... No, you put it on guitars. Oh, I see. A capo? It's a capo, yes. It's a capo where you can change the uh, tuning of your guitar just by clipping it to the neck. Hmm, I learned a new word today. Anyway, it is our... I taught Michael Pars a new word. Write that down for the wiki. (laughs) Posterity. Somebody record this. I'm Uh, just happy I knew a word Michael didn't know. That's doubly exciting for me. This is great. (laughs) It's so rare. Anyway, this is our second game of the year show and our final show of 2021 can you believe i still can't believe it's 2021 like it's still 2020 in my head i thought it was 2021 in september like yeah time distortion is real and we were we've been commenting off off mic about i I reminded these guys well first of all we've been tripping out because like games like monster hunter rise and hitman 3 were this year Mm -hmm. um but i i comment off mic i'm like the Bo Burnham special was this year, and Chris was like, "Fuck!" Like, no, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was the beginning of this it year. To, it seemed to mark the end of the lockdown, and yeah. you know, Remember Saturday Night that? Live's last episode had no audience, and Jesus Christ! But it's yes, twenty twenty one has been simultaneously like the shortest year, but also the longest year. When you look back on it, you're like, "That was this year. That feels so long ago." Yeah, when you. Like, you, you see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, oh, man, it's almost over. And then the light turns out to be a trash fire, and it says, hi, my name's Delta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's almost am... over. Everyone's going to get vaccinated. It's going to be great. Or it's Orson Welles saying, I am Omicron. I know. I, I hate that it's just named toys. after Transformers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, but anyway, you are, you guys are, again, uh, to repeat myself from last week, you guys are not the only ones to join me. We have a cavalcade of VGA alumni guests coming in to help us talk about our final top five games of the year. Thanks to everyone who listened to our bottom five games of the year. Well, not, that's that's a bad way to say it. Our numbers... No, no, unless, unless we're pimps. If we're pimps, it sounds like a huge compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those understood. are the games we rely on the most, Michael, to yes. carry us throughout the year. <laughs> Our bottom five. 
Good lord. Uh, but yes, this is this is our number five through one. Our our very favorite games of the year, which we argued over to get this order and you can hear that argument patreon.com slash laser time which i think will be going up either around the same time that this show does or slightly afterward maybe yep same day at least i'm going to put it up the same day uh probably a little bit later in the day but uh it's on you whatever order you want to listen to it if you want to if you're the kind of person who open who, who likes to peek and see your christmas gifts before you open them then maybe you'll do that. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what to say to you at that point, except for, hey, it's your money. It's your it's your Patreon subscription. You do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, we'll get into our top five games of the year of 2021. For real, we mean it right after this. Friends, we have said it before, but here at the Laser Time Network, we consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes, especially around the holidays. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to find a particular holiday special or movie that isn't available here in the U.S. for some reason. That's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN provides an easy-to-use workaround. With just one click, we can access content from 59 different countries safely and securely so we can get the games, TV shows, and movies we need to do our jobs. That also means we can access international content as soon as it's available in other countries without having to wait for it to come to the States. Can you imagine if we had access to something like this back in the 80s and 90s with Japanese game releases? Oh, man. And if you're traveling out of the country for the holidays, rest assured NordVPN will help you ensure you never miss an episode of your favorite show as soon as it airs back home. Doing some holiday shopping? You can even find discounts on games, movies, TV shows, and streaming subscriptions by taking advantage of international sales and pricing. Speaking of sales, right now, NordVPN is offering a special holiday season deal for LazerTime listeners. Go to nordvpn.com slash LazerTime and use the code LazerTime to get 73% off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. This offer will not last long, so go to nordvpn.com slash LazerTime and use the code LazerTime. That's one word, LazerTime, to get your bonus gift and up to 73% off. What are you waiting for? Do it! Hold up! What is going on there with your body here? It's time to trim those trees. Groom Santa's beard. Deck the halls and shave the balls. Clean up Candy Cane Lane. Tidy up that elf on the shelf. Shovel some snow down below. In other words, it's time to trim the The hair hair down down there. Gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season with two Manscaped Holiday Bundles. The Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0 Luxury Grooming Gift Kit includes the following. The Lawnmower 4.0 with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. The Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner to keep your precious groin ornaments as fresh as a newly cut Christmas tree. And the Magic Mat Disposable Shaving Mats. Not to be confused with this Magic Mat. Plus, the Perfect Package 4.0 includes two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39.99, and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers, valued at $19.99. And if you want to go big while making certain body parts look big, upgrade to the Performance Package 4.0, which includes everything from the Perfect Package 4.0, plus the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology. It'll help you whack those nasty little weeds in your delicate holes. Manscaped also offers tons of items that would make perfect stocking stuffers, like the Crop Mop Ball Wipes, the Foot Duster Foot Deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet, or the Refined Cologne, a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code LASERTIME. One word. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. This is Snow Joke. Say it loud and proud. Manscaped. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. No, we're just out of a screening of Spider-Man No Way Home, and I'm here with the most knowledgeable man I know in the field of all things Spider-Man. Chris Baker, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you're too kind. Thank you, Chris. I couldn't get tickets at all for the Thursday screening. As if the Spider-Man tickets sold out real fast, crashed AMC's website. And I asked around, does anybody want to see Spider-Man at 1 p.m. on Friday? Because <laughs> it's like, I'm not dodging spoilers again. I'm just not. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go with you again right. on Saturday, whenever you can do it. But I'm going to experience this fresh. Super important to me. And I'm, I like that the hype for this movie was like through the roof. But when I saw Endgame... I think it, I was talking to you about it. Like, I didn't... The trailer only showed, like, the first 40 minutes of the movie. I had no no idea what oh, yeah, Endgame yeah. was even going like, to be about. Time travel and all that was, like, completely left right. out of the... I, I, yeah. I, I read your, your movie sites and all that stuff, but I'm really good at avoiding spoilers. But, like, dude, the Spider-Man stuff just crept over into everything. And when I finally walked out of the movie, I'm like... Yeah, then the post-credits scene, like, that, all of that. All of that was spoiled for me, like naturally on Facebook. Man, they broke through. I got hit by every spoiler. It was still, it, you need to see it, even if it's been spoiled. Certain details have been spoiled for you. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Anyway, let's get on with it, beginning with... Number 5. Twenty-two complete strangers brought together by the fates, living and working together in our own little paradise. And in all that time, not a single sin has been committed. No fights, no theft, nothing. Have you ever witnessed something so extraordinary as a city without sin? I cannot believe we're starting off our part two of our games of the year show with what game? I forgot. Yeah, you forgot. You forgot this city. He, he, I forgot the forgotten city. Oh man, the best Skyrim mod ever made <laughs> <laughs> and released as a finished product. And I think it's fucking wonderful. It's a doozy. It yeah. is a doozy of a product, and it's it's such like it's perfectly kind of like what the game takes what maybe two sittings total like if yeah, you're gonna do it's everything like, it's like in a it. four or five hour game something like that uh, but it's such a perfect experience for for the time you have with it um I'm trying I gotta be careful like I will probably I, I should probably just accidental spoiler alert for this entry right because it's it's hard to talk about this game without without starting to get into spoiler territory I guess that setup clip Michael played is in and of itself sort of a spoiler but that's like the first thing you learn when you get to that city you know but uh yeah it's it's the premise is so cool it's this city that seems lost to time that you get dragged through when you're you're near this river and this old temple and then you get dragged into the city and basically it's like yeah um just all you all you have to do is not sin 
Because mm-hmm. if any yeah. one person sins in this town, we all die. Well, that's the thing. You're called in because it's like the, the magistrate is like, oh, if you're here, that means someone is about to sin. So I need you to find out who it is. Yep. We do in like the first cycle, but then you fix that problem and then it happens again. And so your your problem is like, okay, it, people are like every, everybody in this city has to obey the golden rule. Which, ah. you know, is the classic do unto others. And you find out through the course of that game is like people are doing shit that should be punished and they're not. And you find out it's like, oh, because that's what they expect people to do to them. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the and it's called the, the golden rule for another reason, which right. is uh, well, I, not, even, not... I haven't played that much to know that. I just thought it was interesting. They well, explain they, they explain the golden rule like, hey, man, don't sin. And I'm like. You know, like the uh, actual commandments. I'm like, bullshit. So I decided to steal something. And that was fucking awesome to watch the whole world come apart. Oh, this <laughs> yeah, is a very yeah, serious yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you would have immediately heard. The many shall suffer for the sins of the one. And then you got to sprint toward that portal while all the golden statues come to life and shoot arrows at you. Oddly enough, that was the original ending to Star Trek II, mm-hmm. and then they re-recorded that line from Spock. They're like, this isn't this isn't working. Audiences don't like yeah, this one yeah. for some reason. I, I, and I just, I, I didn't like this game as much as you guys did because I'm so, 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 so sick of time loop games <laughs> and so fucking sick of it. And like, I just want just, to everyone else out it? there. Every game's a time loop game. We, we always go back in time and play again. What the? Mm-hmm. F- I wonder if that had anything to do with COVID and just developers being like, well, this is what we've gotten polished. So maybe we got to break up the game and have people keep playing through that. So, but somehow. what I really like about this, and it's, it's, it's the best design in a time loop game I think I've seen. You yeah. see, a, when you walk through the gates of this city, when the loop starts over, you see one guy, and I'm like, I saw him, I'm like, I don't want to have the same fucking conversation I just had with him. And your interaction with, he's very trusting, and his interaction is different with you every single time, in a way that no other time loop game really did. You just oh, yeah. see people repeat their actions over and over again and repeat conversations. Mm-hmm. So It I, gets but this, better, this too. Game, like, the from, the, st- from the jump, never does that. The more stuff you do... The more conversation options you can unlock with that guy, and it's basically becomes it becomes Groundhog Day, where you can be like, "I don't have time to do this, but go take care of this, yeah. this, this, and this." And he, he becomes like your errand boy to yeah. go do the shit like, that you already. All did. right, I'll I guess I'll just go do all that stuff <laughs> and he you does mentioned. It. He does it. <laughs> right. Yeah, go stop this guy. Tell him to go here. Stop this guy from committing suicide, and this other person's also committing suicide. And go stop this and do this and this and this. And like, all right, I'll go just do that <laughs> all night. <laughs> you walk up to the strangers like, if I keep talking to you, I'll die. Okay. <laughs> and and I, I love that, like, when you first start that game, yeah, he's the dude who gives you a tour of the town mm-hmm. when you first arrive. And he, he seems, because most video games would have you believe, ah, this guy's probably inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. He's just the guy that, it, that gives you the tour. Yeah. And I won't spoil it, but by the by the end of your looping, like he plays a major, a pivotal role in the events of that game, yes. in addition to being your Groundhog Day guy that takes care of all your shit for you while you're doing other stuff and, and exploring. He he he's an important guy and uh i just loved that and I, and i one of the things i think i don't know if i said it on the air or not but um this game even though i only spent like a night and a half with it or whatever mm. 
one of the major endings of this thing, I was tearing up because I felt so attached to these characters and their plights. And like, I felt like I knew these people. It's, it's great. Cause, and I think they, they wrote them really well, right? Like there's yeah. that one kind of slave girl who's secretly Christian and mm-hmm. she goes to the secret, uh, the Christian, um, place to pray at night and you and that's where you have to get something that's important for the game and and then there's there's the other guy who is a slave right next to her who every day is like about to jump off a thing and commit suicide and you got to figure out well can you stop that or not and you might not be able to figure out how to do that your first couple loops and then when you do it's like well do i it has a very much that majora's mask thing of like well I can save these people, but do I have time to save them today or do I just need to kind of go on and do something else and maybe try to get like this perfect Groundhog Day day later on while Mm -hmm. I figure out what needs to be done? Yeah, it takes it takes a while to achieve that perfection. But I I like, you know, just the amount of mystery in here. I, I like that, like. Somebody says, like, don't go in there. There's a monster. And you're like, this isn't the kind of game with monsters in it. And you go in and like, holy shit, it's a monster. Oh, my God. Run <laughs> yeah. away. Well, and the game actually does content warning you. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, if you pursue this, there are some horror elements. Yep. And it's like you, you can you can miss this part of the game completely if you don't want to engage with it. But if you go in here, it's yes. they. I, I like that they warn you. And boy, mm-hmm. did it need a warning because yeah. it is disturbing. And you find out, like, this isn't the only Forgotten City. It's built over other Forgotten Cities, and you might get to see those. Yeah, and and I think we talked about the Golden Rule. I don't think I actually explained what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very obvious this isn't the first set of people to be in this city, because there are golden statues everywhere yep. in this city okay, that, that was are very my... clearly past Ab- citizens that got turned into gold my absolute favorite touch it was a very rare example of me playing a game with no distractions because you know i knew this was story based want to give it the benefit of the doubt and that little sound every time you pass a gold statue mm-hmm. and then turn around and it never stops being weird and creepy because you keep mm-hmm. discovering new ones Ugh. their heads always swivel to face you it's, it's like you the... never get to see it do it it's mm-hmm. uh oh it's, like a nice, it's such a nice lo-fi touch, mm-hmm. uh, giving it horror vibes. And this is really all I have to say about the game. I'm out of fucking <laughs> but anecdotes. But yeah, that 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 helper guy, I, I love him. He like he's he's like, oh, I'm just a simple farmer who's kind of an idiot. But then like he has some of the most insightful things to say out of anyone in the game. Sisyphus was a Greek king a long time ago. For daring to think he could outsmart the gods, he was given a terrible punishment. He was forced to push a great boulder up to the top of a hill. Only, just as it reached the top, it would roll all the way back down to the bottom, forcing him to start over and over and over again for all eternity. Just like you. Actually, now that I think about it, there are a bunch of old stories about the gods punishing people by making them do the same futile task over and over. He's talking to you, Chris. Man, don't nobody call me a goddamn Sisyphus. <laughs> He's also, as Hades taught us, Sisyphus is a bro. He's a good bro. He's a good friend. I, I also like that, like, okay, so your first time meeting him, he's like, uh, all right, I'll give you a tour of the city. The second time you're like, I don't want the tour. And he's like, oh, maybe you'd like to help me test out my zip line instead. <laughs> like, that's the coolest thing that could possibly happen. Those zip lines, by the way, a little tricky. Like it, mm. other games are more, much more generous. Like just jump near the thing, and we're gonna hook you on. And, and no, this game, I fell to my death several times because I just yeah. fucking missed the zip line. <laughs> was, mm-hmm. I felt like a fool, just like whoa. Well, it's, but it's a time loop game, so it didn't it matter. It doesn't have the most 
polished physics in that point. I <laughs> no. got oh, pretty infuriated with no. the game. Com- combat, if you could call it that, is also a bit clunky. But one thing I, I do like, it's like it's right up there for the Stanley parable with that it tries mm-hmm. to anticipate everything that you might try to do yeah. or say. And when you ask people the obvious question, like, how do I escape from here? You Like, they thought of that, too. Of course, that's the number one thing. There was an attempt made by resourceful fellows who lived here some years ago. They even decided to keep records of their escape attempt to posterity. Unfortunately, as soon as they began to carry the first ladder down the hallway, they heard a godlike voice saying the entire city. That, tragically, is where their tail ends. So it seems that to merely attempt escape is to invite the wrath of whichever god oversees this place. And so I say, it is best to not even discuss it aloud. Yep, like we're doing now. <laughs> well, I, I also like that they reward you for figuring out exploits to the loops. So mm-hmm. there is a vendor, I won't give away too much, but basically you can get yourself a free 2,000, or I think it's like 5,000 coins every day if you just learn the certain lines to feed that guy. Without fail, uh, you will get the same 5,000 coins. And, and it's like, because there are parts of that game where you're like, oh man, I need more money to, to get through this thing or whatever. And it's like, once you figure that out, money becomes a non-issue. And it's great. Yeah. It's 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 very clever. It's a very clever game in that way. Hmm. You do have to think four-dimensionally, though, to figure some of the puzzles out. I also, I, I did like the aspect of, it's an open conversation game, but it does things that, like, because it's a time loop game, no fucking Telltale-esque moral choice game can actually do I'm talking to this woman it's like I'm in a hard presser for information like you're lying to me tell me something and she said to me paraphrasing fuck you don't talk to me again and get out of my face oh, and I ruined daughter, like, an the... entire dialogue tree yeah, oh, yeah, you, <laughs> can't, yeah, you can't talk to her the rest of that run but that's the beauty is next run next loop you can talk to her and she has don't no memory of that don't ever talk to me mm-hmm. again yeah. <laughs> you can do that it's with like, a lot of characters you, actually it's something you've never seen in like any of the games with dialogue trees like shut fuck you you, you gotta be careful you can you can insult a character and then not be able to talk to them the rest of a run if, if you do it so, that's yeah. true it's great oh, but man. yeah The Forgotten City hopefully not The Forgotten Game of the Year because it's no. it's our number five for a reason it's really really good I'm almost surprised it got this high cons- especially considering Chris's disdain for it but uh, uh, yeah not, for not a fun. bunch of finagling I, from Matt next year I'm handling the ranking you guys <laughs> know me by now I love clever games like this this is like my this year's yeah. Oberdin to we, me we like, have this like is... one of these every year did did we give it to Paradise Killer I don't think you'd played Paradise Killer I didn't play Paradise Killer but that's yeah. the one you from last year you told me mm-hmm. I gotta play yeah yeah so. But anyway, that is our number five. What could possibly be number four? Let's find out. Number four. A huge pack of monsters in a giant stampede. They attack the village in a frenzied rage. Nobody knows why this happens, but it came close to wiping out our village last time. I think it's time. We paid a visit to the stronghold. We have to protect the village. There's nothing to worry about, Elder Fugan. All right, which game do those creepy twins reside Four's in? Forza 5! <laughs> the Shiny. <laughs> the Shiny. <laughs> Shiny. Come play with us. Monster Hunter Rise, of course. And who is joining us for this segment? Hello, it's Kat Bailey of IGN.com and also Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. Sweet. Mm. Where can people find Axe of the Blood God? 
You can find us all over the place, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, the podcatcher of your choice. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash bloodgodpod. And we have a website, bloodgodpod.com. Do you sense a kind of a, a theme going I, on? I like the, the rhyming yeah. of bloodgodpod. Yeah, it works out really well, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? I like that Patreon. I love voting. I love voting on, on this oh, stuff where you. you're like, hey, vote for what we're going to talk about this month. I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to do I'm not going to lie. I stole all your best ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That means they were good. Who else is joining us? My name is Leif Johnson. I'm editor for a major tech company. Used to write about video games a lot. Not, not so much anymore. Um, but this is uh, the swan yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah, swan song. <laughs> yes. You can find me on Twitter at Leif Johnson. That's L-E-I-F Johnson. Boring old spelling. Or, 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 yeah, covering the Matrix Resurrections premiere. I was so jelly of you this morning. That, <laughs> that, that looks so cool. I was just I watching him. <laughs> I work for IGN.com, and mm-hmm. the Matrix premiere was hosted by IGN.com. And I was like, oh, wow. can, I go to, yeah. can I go to the Matrix premiere? And they're like, you're not, no. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. I saw Max standing up there. Own premiere. Yeah. You're, you're only on air talent. We got to invite the marketing guys and the sales guys. Mm-hmm. You know? that's, yeah, and celebrity that guests. That yeah. aren't and even I should probably the say that right now I'm running a. IGN's uh, Ian Walker review. So yeah. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping on that no, grenade. Just, just doing it out of the goodness of his heart. No other. Not pretty that, much. Yeah. Not that that would be a bad game, but it was, it's probably a long review for that yeah, one. I, was, I, I have reviewed every single Final Fantasy release since it started, except for Shadowbringers, because I, I was still working at MacWorld at that point. So uh, yeah. Wow. So Monster Hunter Rise. Why do uh, y'all like this game? Because Monster Hunter ever made. <laughs> it is. You know, I could not I get into that series before this. You know, you know what I think it was? I think it was the hunting, mm-hmm. you know, because you had to get out of the action. And I mean, it is in the, the title. Tracks and everything. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but, uh, I don't like the hunting of the monster so much, but the, the potions. <laughs> oh. I love that this one just throws you in there. You know, it's like none of this walking around awkwardly stuff. You get on a dog and you go chase some monster. That's the hunting. Yes. This, this is the most accessible Monster Hunter I've yes. played. Like yes. even more so yeah, than Monster yeah, yeah. Hunter World. Like go hunt some monsters. Here's here's a zip line that you can use to get around. It's cool. So much faster. My my guess of what happened there is they they got addicted to America's money when they saw how well Monster Hunter World did. They're like, oh, if we just make these things a bit more accessible. A lot of people will buy them. Okay, let's do that for the I next mean, one. And I'm, Monster I'm, Hunter you're Rise saying they're like every further. Japanese developer now. Yes. They're like, wait a minute. Americans still it, yeah. buy console games? Amazing. Or like, or like they discovered PC. Like most Japanese developers like, wait, we can put these things on PC and make money? This I'm, is I'm insane. Because they put it on PC, but they didn't include the ability to load my save. And I'm like, I really want to play this on PC. Screw starting over because I put 110 hours into this game. I don't think I'm going to. I don't really feel like replaying. I love the game, but starting from scratch. This is my most played game of the year, according to Nintendo. My Switch game by far. I mean, you know, there there is like precedent for for cross saving from Switch. I mean, Witcher 3 did it. For, with uh, Monster Hunter did it. Huh. <laughs> well, from Wii U. Lots uh, of games years, have done it. Lots it is a thing. <laughs> yes. 80s did it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The possibility. But I want to say that this game shows what the Nintendo Switch can do. It is yeah. low-key one of the best-looking games it really yeah. on this platform. Yeah. And I think Capcom does not get enough credit mm-hmm. as kind of a tech powerhouse. Their games are consistently some of the best looking games on any platform. 
And I think that it is a really impressive accomplishment that they were able to bring the kind of the the accessibility and the glamour of Monster Hunter World and put it on Switch and put tons of monsters on screen and the the frame rate never really suffers. Yeah, Yeah. the the Monster Hunter frame rate of being 60 frames is kind of in its infancy in relation to the rest of the series and I I can't get enough of... I could get into the intricacies of everything and I do think there's a little tiny thing that's lost from not actually being monsters, but this is the fastest Monster Hunter. Yeah, oh god! You sit there, the shoot around like Spider-Man stuff like that. Yeah. That's the oh yeah. Everything the, is the, every the, single the, thing in Monster Hunter is a thousand times faster, meaning you can ultimately hunt more monsters and play the game more. And that I, I thought that was it, it made it a billion times more addictive. And I didn't even have the luxury of like playing with you guys a lot, which I do love playing with friends as much as I can. The Pelicans are such a good addition. Oh yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> well, them. One reason why I think that the speed is so important, because, you know, even when I played Monster Hunter World, which I didn't really play until afterwards, Elena and I uh, had tried to play it before, like Monster World before. We were bored to death. I'm still kind of bored. I, I give it another chance after Rise. But the nice thing is I like about Rise is I could hop in during my lunch break and go mm-hmm. kill a monster or two. It was that face fast pace. I could actually get in and get out of there. And I, and I really like that, as opposed to having to sit down, well... Now I'm gonna have to look at this footprint. Now, <laughs> yeah. there, there, there are moments. Yeah, the things I don't miss as as far back as three is battling a monster for 59 minutes and then failing. Mm. That never ha- that has not happened to me once in Rise. Yeah, and I don't miss that at yeah. all. So good for Capcom. I think that the only thing this game is missing is the difficulty. It's a pretty mm-hmm. easy game by Monster Hunter standards. It's, by Monster how, Hunter it's, standards. it's However, kind of However, there is an the, expansion coming. Right. right. Yes. It's kind of the, yeah. the first that the same thing I said the same thing about World, but like America had never really gotten vanilla Monster Hunter before World and Rise. We usually yeah. get the ultimate version with all the good and hard shit. So yeah, there is no like for me there's no end game in Rise. It's just you're kind of done. And So can't finish what you're saying? Yeah, no, I was I was gonna say that uh world was my first one and yeah. i love that game i really enjoyed it and everything and it got dang hard by iceborne yes <laughs> like people were like oh yeah, oh, yeah mhw yeah. is so easy it's like iceborne's like <laughs> hold my whatever the hell uh, yeah. <laughs> well I, iceborne because of the difficulty has had the problem that a lot of monster hunters have had that rise didn't to me which is i always knew what i was supposed to be doing in rise like in in yes. world sometimes you could spend hours being like I'm not actually making any real progress because I'm yeah. doing stuff that I can beat. Whereas Rise is like, no, here's there's basically two paths you can go on. Like these these are like if you want to grind these grind missions, and here's kind of the campaign, like the stuff that will actually increase your hunter rank. These missions, and it's very obvious what you should be doing. Like again yeah, with the streamlining, that, that's something like players of the Monster Hunter series like have known for decades, but like American players didn't know at all. And they yeah. and that stupid hub world and world, which was like too big. Yeah unnecessarily yeah, doesn't tell you yeah. what you actually need to do multi-tiered for some reason yeah, yeah. yes yes you plus plus a, a lobby the multiplayer lobby a whole separate area to that thing it's always like, been like that and it was just a bigger version of that and i Make never really me climb that. a ladder to get between different stations that's what i Fine. love Dude, there was a, a lift that loaded you up there like literally oh loaded yes. you into a different <laughs> yes. part of the lobby it was so dumb <laughs> i mean it was it felt awesome and big but you're like 
this is overly complex for a hub world. Like, honestly, like, but a lot of games do, like, Destiny's fucking hub world, like, the tower and shit. You're like, why? Why am I running this? Just put everything in one room. Let me walk up to a fucking console and, because... Just put any, everything in a menu. I just want to talk to a vendor. Did. Yes, yes. And it's it so fun to mount the monsters. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And one of my favorite things to do was to be able to stun the monster to be able to ride it. And then I would take it and I would go and just fuck up some other monster shit. Yeah. And he'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be yeah. like, I'd punch you. And then when I would knock it over, I would jump over to that monster and start having it beat up the monster I was just on. You yeah. could get a nice little loop going. Yeah. And it was so yeah. satisfying. And uh, I forget what the name of the guy is. He's uh, kind of the main monster of Monster Hunter Rise. He's purple. Yeah, and he's got an that amiibo. Yeah, that guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like that he just shows up and just periodically shows up during major battles. Like, hi, I'm here too. <laughs> yeah. Mess You're like, oh up. shit. Yeah. So I, I also love like you get. You, I love pointing monsters at other monsters and using them against yeah. other. Yes. And then and then that yeah. like that little battlefield underneath when they're all gone, where you can just pick up all these spare parts that would have taken you oh, hours to get otherwise. <laughs> it's, it's the only thing more satisfying than hitting another monster was is running them into a wall repeatedly just to shake that shit loose. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, yeah, just... And that was that was sort of adapted, like the um, Iceborne expansion for World had a lot of that mounting stuff that I feel like they perfected here. But I think the other big system that I really loved in this one is that the wirebug system yes. was very really easy awesome. to understand. It was really powerful. Like resulted, I, this is the first time I played a ranged character in a Monster Hunter game, and so like basically my wirebug bug attack was like it kind of sets up like a turret, and then if you get yes. hit, you immediately retaliate with this like super powerful blast, like right in the monster's yes. face, and it felt so good every time so you, you could were land heavy it. Gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was everybody's weapon. Yes. I was light, light bowgun. Yeah, yeah. I was heavy bowgun, heavy bowgun. I think I just went with like twin blades because I'm a filthy noob. (laughs) I I later grew to love the hammer. The hammer is really fun in this. I still bounce between the the great sword and the dual blades. So Mm. no shame in it. Switch axe and bow. I did switch axe, switch axe for world, and I was like, it's hella fun. Really complicated to land stuff with that weapon. Once I kind of got the hang of it, it was really fun to use. One of my friends was really good at it, and I I tried to get into it, and I just couldn't do it on that skill level. But Bowgun felt like easy mode. I'm like, wow, I I can just shoot these monsters from far away. This is kind of cool, you know. I went with uh, dual blades because, like, for years, like people have been saying, like, oh, if you're a beginner in Monster Hunter, go with the dual blades. And I'm like, I'm not doing. I'm not doing beginner shit. And and that's the beginner. Yeah. 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 Oh, which one? Sword and board. Sword and board. Sword and shield. Okay, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. dual blades takes more but, skill than I, people make it. But it was always <laughs> like, you know, I skipped over this because I'm like, I turned up my nose at it and I didn't enjoy those games. So I thought like, well, maybe this will be the key. And so, yeah, I do enjoy playing with the dual blades. But uh, I, I tell you that and I tell everybody that because it's the most easy to understand for people who've been playing every other type of game. There's a 1-1 yeah, uh, action motion and dual blades and sword mm. and shield. Yeah, yeah you never like switch axe where you have to really Holy know sh- the combos in order yeah. to be able to. Yes. You don't really you get, get the stuck hang of the in combos, animation. it becomes automatic, but sure. you yes. have to really. Yeah. Same with longsword. Everybody wants to be a longsword, but you should never be the longsword if you're a new player. Yeah, yeah. That, I tried yeah. that. It just was over. Because you'll just whiff a lot of the time. Like you'll you'll yeah, build yeah. up this yeah. combo and then completely whiff. Well, you have to like... understand how to do the the repost. Mm, or whatever yes. you call it uh, with the long sword. And that takes like some timing and some practice. Mm. So. Oh, so yeah. I have to admit that one of the things I, that really drew me in about this game, especially like compared to 
world and stuff like this is the the you know like the native asian aesthetic that they threw mm. into it oh yeah, yeah it, that was cool it's very it works very well for the game and the genre and you could tell that they were just totally comfortable with it and uh i i think i was reading something about the developer aspect of it is you know they were trying to keep it a little bit more western to make it more widely appealed but they just yeah. leaned in no, to just the, just make it yeah yes. it's, it's like you're living in a ninja village like yes. somewhere in the mountains of japan where there's monsters everywhere <laughs> But I think what it I always well. say is yeah. that it's not about graphical fidelity so much. Though Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter World are very good-looking games, it's about the art direction. And Monster yes. Hunter consistently yeah. has amazing art direction. Oh, yeah. The, the oh, monsters, yeah. the costumes, the weapons, the locations. It is a lush world where you just want to hang out. And it's about hearing this unforgettable song every time you get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, love yes. the the acrobatic performance that you get. I like that you did the whole thing too. Yes, I mean, you did the I whole was, thing. I was actually my uh, housemate insisted on watching the whole animation every single time. every single every time. time. Every I did start time. skipping. I don't want to skip I, through this. It's lovely. I refused so to do fun. it though. I, I didn't. I wanted my too. food. I wanted my food served to me by a one-eyed cat instead of a human person. I know that I know cats cook the dongos, but I wanted it served to me by that cat. Can't disagree. I also appreciate that this has like uh, poetic introductions for each monster, even the most disgusting monster. Nocturnal creatures coming out to feast. Find themselves becoming prey to this long-necked beast. Down the hatch they go, definitely deceased. Craven miscreant, show your mug if you dare. But when it turns to face you, you'd rather be elsewhere. I think I would have gone with that mug isn't there. <laughs> Keizu just when? has a mouth. It's like it's like a headless chicken with teeth it's, on its. It's a worm. Neck. It's it's a it's an earthworm with yeah. a body and wings. It's gross. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Listen. Okay. I, this is really important for me. If you want to go back, play that, replay this game, and play something, I highly recommend playing it in Japanese because those introductions. Yes, they they are more like the traditional Japanese poetry. They're not just a guy yeah. talking like this. Ah, it, it's it, it's menace. they're not something I wrote in Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do it like an actual performance would be in Japanese, like in a um, kabuki or something like that. But Michael, it's, you're right that everything about that creature is fucking disgusting. Even the armor you can make out of the Kezu oh, parts so are like, nasty. it's so gross. Uh, why would you wear Thankfully, that? I didn't have to fight it very much, Yeah, um, all things considered. Whenever I did fight it, I was like, oh man, really? Ugh. It's gross. It's, just, it's like Bowgun. It was actually pretty easy, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, it's stay away from, stay away from me, worm yeah. monster guy. But uh, yeah, the monsters too in this game, in the new ones they added, Super fun to fight. Like yeah, I love the are. um, mm -hmm. the ba the little like bear creature in the frozen land oh, he's thing. Good, but, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. I also like the the big lightning cat. I can't remember any of the yes. names because yeah, it's been yeah. a minute since I played Rise. But uh, the big lightning cat's pretty great too. Is an ogre? Uh, I don't think it's, it's an ogre. Yep, no, oh, is it? Yep. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah I, I'm like you though, Kat. I just refer to them by like the thing they do. Like, you know, big, big frozen bear big guy. Purple guy. <laughs> yeah. I worked, I worked for Capcom and we all did that too. Because. <laughs> yeah. The, I, one the that bird actually... that you fight at the very beginning is pretty fun too. Good intro. Yeah, the one drawback, the one thing I didn't like in this game, I did not like the rampage levels. But you could no, kind no, of avoid no. them for the most part, you know? Oh, like, yeah. I, you know, I actually forgot about those. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of tower defense right? Yeah, it's yeah. tower defense. I think they would have been way more fun with, and, and, I, and I played a couple of them, like co-op. They're way more fun in co-op. because I mean, yeah, yeah, I would only do it with groups. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. to play that with randos. It will not work otherwise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and once, and once you do, everybody can be a total fuck up, and you'll still pass the mission yeah. and get a bunch. Uh, of yeah, because pretty I don't much think you never failed. Yeah. No, no, you, no, you just no, have to like man some some turrets. You know, you just have to make sure like when the monsters destroy the turret, just pop another one. And as long as you have like three people doing that throughout the level, that's yeah, right. pretty. You can make it through. But. I had to do those a lot because the rampage bow is the best bow. And I was like, oh, um, I guess I gotta do these. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Great. I can't remember if it was the hammer or the light bow gun, but it was the same story. So I did a lot of those. Yeah. Actually, I think I needed, like, armor that I thought looked cool. Yeah. Well, as much as I didn't like it, it's still better than that stupid-ass cannon mode from World. You know, the oh, giant... I totally ugh, agree. That's, uh. Yeah. So did you guys have a favorite monster to, to hunt and to fight? Watching. Man. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I was so proud when I actually finally learned how to fight Rajang. Yes. It's, yeah. Big purple uh, guy. He was a lot of fun. <laughs> I like I like the big turtle guy myself. It's an ogre too. Oh, There's some that were just fun to wreck, you yeah. know, where you, yes. you just yeah, go yeah. in and you're like, I know how to beat you and you just yes. beat the ever living crap out of it and it's just down on the ground. And by the time you're done, you're like, Well, that was rude. Jeez. <laughs> Zenogre is the only monster I have a bust of. Because he's he's been my series favorite. You break his horns and you get a Skymerald. Skymerald's the coolest word ever. That's true. It's just pretty cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> I think, uh, what's the name, Chris, of the thing that looks like a dodo bird? I don't know. Oh, it's I it, it, hold, um, it holds the egg and you got to make sure. I know which sure one that, you're talking about. The egg like Horror blocks everything. Like, Kula Yaku, something like that? Yes. And normally I hate fighting them, but I finally figured out how to get past the egg shield and stuff in this game. And I'm like, oh, I actually kind of quite enjoy fighting this creature. You play World. Monster. It is the star of a really good Final Fantasy XIV crossover. Oh. Wow. Yeah, where it gets hold of a crystal and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's pretty funny. Actually. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it did. Monster Hunter did Final Fantasy better than Final Fantasy. Oh, wow. uh, the story? Did you play stories? Uh, stories too? No. Yeah. So he. You can imagine in a, in a tactical game fighting that stupid egg holding asshole that works very well in stories. You've got yeah. to break down his defenses. Get off! <laughs> All right. Fighting my own monster. Come here, girl. Monster Hunter Rises, our number four game. What could possibly be next? Let's find out. Number three. Ah, I've done this before, haven't I?
Oh, so many times. Yeah, yeah you do it a lot more. <laughs> who, had, who had the best? Who had the best NPCs uh, this year? Halo, Halo's grunts or Death Loops? Halo's anybody? grunts are pretty good. <sighs> that guy, are hilarious. I never noticed how much that guy sounds like Woody Harrelson until that clip. Whoa, weird. <laughs> I don't so think who's, them who's billboards joined, are very fair. Who's what, joining sorry, us? Terrible Woody for the uh, the number three here. It is me, George Abor. I've been on the show before, but I'm back again. And you can listen to more of me at ExperiencePoints.net. You were on the show just last week. Who else was just on the show last week? Hey, it's Tony Wilson from Framework. It's a that's a YouTube channel. It's uh, video game essays with cool angles. YouTube.com slash c slash framework video. Yes, I was also here last week and on various other episodes. I hope you're not tired of hearing my voice because I don't plan on going anywhere. <laughs> Who could just be? Yet. Yeah. So Deathloop. Deathloop. I, 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 I love this game so much. It was one of the few mm. games that, like, my, my first criteria when, you know, voting on stuff for this list is, was this something that, like, just grabbed a hold of me and refused to let go? Like, was this something that I, whenever I wasn't playing it, I wanted to be playing it. I was thinking about it. I wanted to go mm-hmm. back to it. That definitely fits for Deathloop. Yep. Um, I, I yeah. have the opposite of... Uh, uh, but I don't. I don't dislike Deathloop. I voted for it. Mm. Um, I never want to go back and play it because <laughs> it confuses me. You've and escaped it, the loop. It, You're it done. makes me feel dumb. It, maybe that's part of it because, like, I don't know exactly what to do yet. I don't understand how this is all supposed to unfold into a one day killing streak. I, don't worry. Um, the game literally will just tell you how to do it when you I know. I know. I think, which like, is but, honestly but, one of my main criticisms. But, but like, anyway. I didn't vote for it initially, and then Michael and I were talking about it, and I. Every time I fire it up, I play it endlessly. And I, I think like, how we defined it on our I Patreon. Did I do anything show. in this run? I can't tell if I learned or did anything. Well, the way we talked about it on our Patreon show, patreon.com slash laser time, where you get to hear us put these in order, mm-hmm. the reason this ended up at three is, is it was kind of an intimidating game. Because, like Chris said, like, because of the puzzle aspect oh, and, like, oh. kind of like the as you're gathering info and stuff like that, like, it does it see for me that worked and it draws me in and I'm like I need to go back to try to you know because I, I know there's a clue there I have to go back and, and solve that thing but like it, it can also just be a little bit much to be like I'm juggling like 10 clues at once which one do I want to pursue mm-hmm. at what time of day do I do I fast forward time or do I actually yeah. play through every day yeah I killed Charlie like a dozen times just yeah I, I killed Charlie why am I going back <laughs> here to uncover something new about him I already know what so to do so you can kill him again yeah do not Maybe? enjoy. Hello. Yeah. yeah. I know, because I do love that level. That, that, yeah, that, actually, Killing Charlie is one of my favorite. That's yeah. one of my favorite. I mean, it, it's worth it to upgrade the slabs, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, there's yeah. some pretty pretty nice, you know, power-ups for those. Yeah. Pretty but, nice. But I, I think maybe that's, that's illustrating, uh, you know, an issue with this game is that, like, the idea of, oh, I'm not just supposed to do the perfect sequence as quickly as possible. Like, that can be intimidating, because a lot of people are just going to be like, no, I just want to do... Do it right. Why do I have to go back and kill this person again? Why do I have to kill them in multiple ways? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why do I have to start the day over every time I die? Why can't I just continue from where I was? Yeah, you know, st- stuff like that. It, it can and, and well, you yeah. can. You get you get those. Well, I mean, this is this is what does what Arcane Studios has been peddling in. I mean, peddling that's a pejorative, but has been engaged in for <laughs> hey, a, a very long. Over here you're right, George. Games. But they they crack the code. <laughs> 
I would say their you think other they games. The code this game? I think they cracked the code with Dishonored Two. I think well, that but is I, their I would say their their other games are even more intimidating because it's like you have to play through an entire level or at least the entire game to be like, okay, now I'm going to go back and play this a bit differently, right? Like, oh, I, I did a chaos run. Now I need to go back and do all stealth. Mm-hmm. Versus this game is well, like, hey, you want to do a different run? Okay, just play another yeah. hour, reset the day, and you can play completely well, differently this time. I, I would kind of disagree, though. I mean, I think what's so beautiful about all of their games, Deathloop included. And the death loops, when you die, the first time you die, you sort of are rewounded back. But what you've done is already triggered, right? If people are hunting you, they're still hunting you. You're just yeah. further back. Right. That is yeah, true. Yeah. You have a, like a couple lives that you have. Right. Like, and, 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 and I think and, you can and, reclaim them if you find your corpse and like absorb the residual. Can you disable uh, yeah. that you, slab? Or? No, you can't remove that slab. But okay. if you kill Juliana and absorb her, and you get your reprisals back. That's, that's right. right. That's yeah, how yeah, you right. restore. Yeah, okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, that, that element, though, means that I think that this is the most accessible version of what Arkin has been trying to do, which is that controlled chaos moment, right? Where you you make a plan, you're going to go stealth. It goes to shit inevitably because Mm -hmm. that's the type of systemic game design that they produce. And then here you have the tools to see your way out of this disaster that you've made for yourself. That is the joy. And if, if you are, if you played every arcane game and you've not learned to enjoy that, that rinse wash repeat of it yet i just don't think these games will ever be for you <laughs> and Can I, it's well it's interesting that you say that george because I, I feel like that just controlled chaos like perfectly fits in with the tone of the game which is a lot goofier than yeah. what i was mm-hmm. expecting oh, and yeah. one of the things i really like about it i like spending time here yeah and it, it really comes through in the dialogue between uh colt the main character and juliana who's like he's she's like a far cry villain or something she's this constant voice in his ear mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh just just even this this early exchange right here how much do you remember about me well it's a little hazy how much do you remember my name's colt you want to kill me for some reason, and I already know some fucking code, which I don't, and there's this You want to break the loop, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, look, if you don't try to break the loop, I'm just going to kill you over and over again in increasingly violent ways, until you do. Fine, I'll break your fucking loop, and whatever I did to piss you off, I'm sorry. Uh, still there? You never said that before. We dated, didn't we? Just go inside the library. <laughs> <laughs> I love that theme they always ret- return to of like, yeah, did they date or not? Because like she clearly doesn't like him for some reason. <laughs> I love how that dynamic just plays into the game's multiplayer too, like with the invasion stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like going yeah. in as Juliana or having to defend yourself against Juliana is really like Oh, that's what fun. that is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, another, it's either another person online. You can set it to be just your friends or you can do the coward thing, which I did, which is just go it's single player and, and it's the yeah. CPU. Yeah. That, that, my, I told my my brother was complaining about that. I told him just just turn it off and don't worry about people, because here's the thing: you will either get destroyed by an online player as Juliana, or you will destroy them. Uh, one of the most satisfying moments I had in this entire game uh, was I tended I used the uh, invisibility and the kind of shifting like teleporting slate uh, slaps. Those were the two mm-hmm. I relied on. And same, yeah. Um, I was in the uh, I don't recall whatever level that has the party. I don't remember which of the four that is. And, um, you know, the antenna is always up on that rooftop and I would always beeline there and hit my invisibility and just, I had the, the, the perk that let me, as long as I was still, I could stay invisible indefinitely and just kind of observe until I saw where Juliana was. And one of the most satisfying moments I had in the entire game was I saw her with a sniper aimed down at the antenna I was supposed to hack 
uh, but she didn't see me. So I went invisible, came up right behind her, remaining visible, and just boom, boom, two two shotgun blasts, and she was gone. It was yeah. in an instant. That player had no idea what happened, and it was over. And <laughs> I felt it. so cool. I mean, it feels yeah. good with the com- with the computer. Like my favorite Juliana kill so far is I just set a proximity. I was running from her because she was capping on me. I set a proximity mine at the bottom of a stairway and ran up the stairs because I'm like, I just got to get out of here. I got to go find some health, whatever that, whatever that compressed air is that heals you, right? Yeah, it's and gas that you're just. I hear an explosion at the bottom of the stairs and it's just like, you know, you've killed Julian. I'm like, yes, like she ran right into my proximity mine. Now here's a question because I never did it. I never did an offline Juliana, and uh, and except for like the one, the first one that's offline by default. Do they still? Does she still drop a random slab even if she's offline? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Okay. Cool. And and a shitload of infusium. She she drops like a ton of infusium. Because I really loved how. At this point, does everybody know what the game's about? There's a lot of words and things. Yeah. So so it is. If for for those who haven't played Deathloop and have no idea what we're talking about, Mm. it is a sort of alternate sci-fi 1960s game about this cult that has found this island with mysterious properties and has figured out a way to let themselves Groundhog Day and repeat the same day over and over again. The thing is, the unforeseen thing is that only works for two people, you and Juliana. And so for everybody else, they're just repeating the same day and going through the same motions with no idea that they're repeating the same day, thinking that they've achieved immortality. Right. They're, but, they're celebrating like, hey, this is our first day of, of being immortal mm-hmm. or about to be immortal. Yeah, like, and, and, you're, <laughs> and every day you will hear the same wonderful, wonderful announcements. This is Alexis Dorsey, Eon program visionary and primary financial backer. I need to speak quickly to the guests of my ultra-exclusive Devouring of the Lambs party tonight. Congratulations on getting invited, guys. A reminder... Bring the required accessory and your appetite. If you forget either, you will be denied entry. I mean it. We are modern wolves, and the time has come for feeding. Ugh. Alexis Dorsey is, like, the biggest asshole in this game, and I love killing him so, so much. In in a game full of assholes. Like, that's the thing is, because they're all celebrating, everyone's drunk in this game, like, at all times. Everyone's drunk. Everyone's a fucking idiot. (laughs) His, uh, his, like, screen name in the the chat programs you can find, it's, like, Alpha Wolf 69 or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he's full-on, like, dude. He's like a tech PC funder that everybody loves to hate, for sure. Well, they they make it very clear he's supposed to be, like, a Martin Shkreli analog because jacked up the price of a life-saving antibiotic three times. I bought an exclusive Tony Bennett record that no one else could buy. <laughs> yeah, basically. I know, I'm trying I know to find it's... the 60s artist. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Tony and then, Bennett. Then t- <laughs> I mean, he was alive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they do the, the, the Skrilly joke's interesting, too, because, like, his name is Alexis Dorsey. He has the same last name as the Twitter founder, <laughs> which is just oh, sure. funny. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the parallels are pretty strong. Um. I wanted to point out, too, uh, this was something that was, like, in the back of my mind the whole time I was playing this. You know, George, you mentioned, like, previous Arcane games. I've never played Dishonored 1 or 2. Um, I've played Prey, which is different. Sure. Um, but the Prey Mooncrash DLC kind of led to this in some ways. Yeah. I didn't yeah. play that either. So the general kind of, like, take out targets the way you want to is not something I ever did. And simply because that's kind of, like... 
that's in the category of like it's open world for me where okay but i need something else like the choose how to do this approach i'm kind of over it i need another hook and Deathloop is exactly that they they took this thing that they were so good at doing right by all accounts like i said i haven't played dishonored one or two but they're like masters of take out the target the way you want to and they made that sort of like the ancillary like recurring thing to the true mechanic of the game which is this breaking out of this loop and i just think that was uh, such a great way to reinvent their own like something they already mastered they then reinvented it's and it my only problem with the game really is I think that it doesn't fulfill the dream that is the time loop premise, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they have done they did time travel and time loops in Dishonored 2 as well mm-hmm. uh, with the Clockwork Mansion mission and a Crack in the Slab mission, which are two just absolutely mm-hmm. stellar experiences. I, I feel like my my biggest issue is I, I really did want to have a bit more say and influence over how time shifts and changes but i think at the end of the day the game kind of follows what you would expect and it's a pretty classical game all things considered outside of you know some of the the narrative and aesthetic trappings yeah Yeah, you can do a straight up beeline and not have to overthink it and that is and that is kind of my chief complaint too is when you get to the point where you can put it all together and do the perfect run the game like literally there's a whole cutscene where colt's like okay here's what i gotta do and he goes through a whole checklist and then you get those waypoints and I okay. wish I wish the game mm. hadn't done that because I was making my own checklist like, okay, I could get this person yeah. this time. Right. Yeah. There's only right. one time to get Harriet. So she has to be the one in the well, morning. The, like... These two are lovers. And so they're going to be together well, on exactly. this thing. But right. it's the so, intimidating part for me. I thought I was going to have to start taking fucking it, notes. Oh, I did. I, I, mean, I was taking notes and then I realized I didn't have to. And I was kind of yeah. bummed out. Yeah, like, totally. I, you know, I wanted I mean, to, the game, to do that work. I appreciate that the game has the notes built in, right? Like when you create sure. a code or something like that, you, that is locked it's in. That I appreciate. That I appreciate. It's just the fact that that final objective that literally tells you how to do. I, I think they step. borrowed from Hitman a little bit because, like, Hitman mm. was doing the same thing of like, yeah, you got to learn. You know, these games are clockwork games, and you got to learn where people are. And then in Hitman, you can just have the UI guide you through every different kill. And then when you master mm. Hitman, it's like, well, I know what's going to happen. I don't need the UI to guide me. I know exactly where this is going to happen. I think this game's kind of similar. It's like, yeah, you you yeah. can use the UI. The what do they call them? The leads. You can use a lead, or it's like, eh, after yeah. a while, you kind of figure it out. You know? Well, but in, in Hitman, yeah. there is multiple ways to kill a target, whereas there's pretty much only one singular way to kill each target. I mean, you kill them multiple times, but well, in when it comes to path, the final yeah. run. Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah, in the critical yeah. path. I, I kind of wish maybe there had been, like, I, who knows, maybe this exists, right? Like, I don't think so, or someone would have found it, but maybe there is another way to do it, you know? And, like, sure, yeah. if something like that had been baked in, I would have liked that. Or if there's, like, a couple ways to do it. Um but, you know, I'm still happy with the game. I think it's they differentiate all the targets in really cool ways, which is fun and is well done, considering, like, three of the eight are just all scientists. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, I, I appreciate how distinct they all are. And the, the way that Arcane builds their levels is also just super fascinating. I mean, yeah. I feel like most any game, if they launched with only four maps, the community would be just complaining, yeah. being like, what is this? Like, $60 for this? But there's so much density and so much to do in each level yeah. that you can spend many, many hours and never feel bored. I didn't find the, like, challenge room thing until I was basically done the game. I was on my final <laughs> run, and I hadn't seen it. I was like, wait, what is this? I've never been... I was like, what is... And then, like, the, like, whole, like fortune telling riddle robot thing oh, i yeah, didn't find exactly. forever like there's so much tucked in there yeah, yeah it's pretty that's my favorite part about the game and i'm not done with it but every once in a while something will happen that will redefine an area you think you know like the back of your hand mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it's that seeing through the matrix feeling like what the fuck am i 
Why would I do anything here? Holy shit, this slab changed everything. Yeah. But but it's also like the time of day basically makes it. So, yes, there's four areas, but there's four times a day. So there's basically kind of like 16 levels because the areas change so much from Mm -hmm. time of day to time of day. And and it's, you know, I think they they do maximize what they have there by by using the the first things they tell you, like this shit burns down at noon. So if you want to come to this thing, Mm -hmm. you need. Yeah. Yeah. It will not exist. In uh, it, the other maps, did anyone accidentally install the uh, the multi pass and then just find themselves absolutely hosed? No, no. it's a it? um. There's there's I don't remember where it is. There is another multi pass gate in another area. Lilu like, Dallas multi pass. So if you take the multi pass, <laughs> yeah, you can access a bunch of gates that you would not normally be able to access. However, it completely removes all your reprisals. Uh, and yeah, you cannot it, it get rid of all it. your slabs. Oh. No yeah. powers. No. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's it's a permadeath run, basically. Hard mode. Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. No thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'll like, avoid that. <laughs> I like experimenting and being able to die over and over. Well, again. but that's the thing. This game does have experimentation. Like I. I didn't know for sure, like, if you infuse a gun, I'm like, wait, do I have to keep it on my person, or can I drop that gun? Because you're constantly finding, like, more there powerful are, weapons. There's, a, there's some trickiness to it there. Like, you, if you... if no. you, I'm still confused. Yeah. Once I you infuse to... a gun, you can drop it in a level, and then yeah. the next day, it when you, when you it, come right. back to life, it's there for you to put in I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anything you infuse is permanently yours, but if you swap it or drop it, it is gone for it's that permanently, run. Which yeah, is yeah, it's gone for that run. Because I had a moment where it was like, ooh, new slab, let me take this and then the other one was gone and i was like well hold on no i really liked that one and you know i just yeah. had to wait till the next day to get it back yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised either when the tutorials read like small textbooks you know it's just they just yeah. give you everything all at once yeah. and it is extremely daunting the first and the font minutes. is not great and it does the developers please stop doing these awful menus where you're moving a little bubble a mouse wheel oh my god please yes. <laughs> stop stop you, doing you those mean menus. the destiny the destiny i don't, I don't know who, worst, who that is the our worst to. trend yeah. destiny ever started among others <laughs> service games are largely <laughs> bad but the cursor menu thing is so is the worst thing i hate it so much yeah it's bad it's eh, ba- it's annoying it's, it's terrible for accessibility yeah it's like true. it is an awful thing developers please if you take one thing away from this year stop doing menus like that towards the end of the game you're looking at your leads and they're like yeah it's an ultra wide 15 16 <laughs> like know. miles wide yeah. length and you have to it's, scroll it's over your, for each one it's a charlie day pepe silva board that you have to slowly move over with this little yes. like magnifying glass. Yes. Yeah, that's that's not great. But boy, this but game it's is a great game. This game <laughs> but it is, is a super great. Game. great. Yeah. Our yeah. number. It's a, it's a great game. I love the like, again like the the enemies are like spring breakers with assault rifles. Like they they are just <laughs> yeah. a bunch of drunk suicidal idiots who are doing things like let's th- throw ourselves off a big cliff so that we have that experience when we wake up tomorrow alive again. A little uh, bit of Bioshock yeah, one. Yeah, there's that guy like on the hook in Harriet's uh, zone. Like, he, right, he volunteers to like, participate in. Yeah, he, well, he yeah. volunteers himself. He's the mask maker to mm-hmm. participate in her ritual because he knows he won't really die. It's it's sick. It's, it's there's a little bit of Bioshock in those because they all wear the yeah, masks yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's very and, very Bioshocky. But yeah. Michael, you said Spring Breakers with assault rifles, which I think just describes the movie yeah. Spring Breakers. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember that movie correctly, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, but I also love, and this is a, a sound clip that I've played before. But I also love that sometimes when you cause trouble, 
they they just sound completely exasperated with you as if like oh he's the guy we keep inviting to the party and he knocks over the christmas tree or whatever it's this asshole again instead of like oh man there's this incredibly well-trained ex-military guy who's out to kill us you i see the bad one This is the repeated better not be cold. Bad one. Well, because <laughs> I, I love think that bass sting too. Yeah. One, one of the, the first combat. reveals like Austin Powers is dancing me to the next level. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the first reveals is Colt is the former. He's like the head of security for yeah. all of these people, yeah. right? So that's why he's so badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, and, and and I love the experience of just like you're dropped in with like about as much clue as Colt has as to what this world is, and you just gradually learn everything that's going on around you as you go through and and die repeatedly. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic game, but clearly it is not quite as fantastic as number two. We're not here to change people's minds, Raz. Not here to fix people. We're here to help people fight their own demons. The ones they already have. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. You're not at camp anymore, Raz. People could live or die on this mission. The mission! Oh, and what game is this? Oh, Psychonauts 2. <laughs> yes. oh. I, was trying to, I, I told everybody to say that with my mind, just for the yes. record. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Steve up, was first. Steve it. was absolutely first. first. So who is joining me for this segment? Oh, I, <laughs> hi, I'm Steve Guntley. I'm from Wii Universe. And hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. I'm also from Wii Universe and Ultra 64, where oh, yeah, we... That. Uh, it's a podcast where we play all the Wii U games, or we already played all the Nintendo 64 games. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And move on to a Virtual Boy, have an even shorter show. Yeah, that's the dream, right? <laughs> that and our Neo Geo Pocket series are going to be killer. Oh, yeah. oh, man, I can't wait. And Micah Seth. Seth. Where can people hear or see more of you? Well, you could follow me on Twitter at dash underscore reindeer. But uh, these days, I'm working at Perfect World, and we just announced a new game, Have a Nice Death, at the Game Awards the other night. And uh, so follow us at Join Death Inc., and uh, you'll see a lot more of me there probably than on my own socials. So. Awesome. I know for a lot of people, Psychonauts 2 is their game of the year. This was came, came as kind of a surprise. Like uh, from, from Double Fine, this was originally a, a Kickstarted game like years ago. And then like Microsoft swept in and picked it up much like they did Cuphead. And what we got was this very, very polished platform yeah. adventure that takes a ton of surreal turns. Yeah, I, I think I think the nature of uh, its time and gestation could have left a bad taste in people's mouth. But the same was the game was so fucking good. I, I didn't hear any of that. I from, think you know. I, think... I, I just listened to a Tim Schafer interview in preparation for this. I, mm-hmm. uh, Ooh, I'll, I'll admit it. You. Uh, I did some prep <laughs> some prep work, but uh, he was he cracked a joke that you know all great games get delayed, and to some extent it, it's true. You know, um, not every Duke great Nukem game forever, gets the, delayed, the, but the a lot of, of great time. games get yeah. delayed. So, <laughs> well, uh, but he also had the help of, in addition, in, in, in addition to extra time from Microsoft. Uh, my guess was a lot of extra budget because, like, uh, the biggest difference between this game and the first, which regarded as a classic, Psychonauts, great game, love it. It it's still a rather small 
game, but like this is like they took that premise Nuts. and they just they they went they said we're gonna make this thing big and it's like so polished, so big, so good. Uh, I was shocked, but I'm like, good. I'm glad Microsoft supported a game like that because it really is is like. That premise deserved to be explored more, and they certainly did that with Psychonauts it's, too. And it's, it ends it's, up, I, it showed I think, without needing to argue, like the best platformer of the year. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. there's another I mean, one on the list here, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, when when Microsoft bought them, they went to Tim Schafer and they said, "What do you want? Like, what is your dream for?" It, uh, completing this game you know what what are the things that you've had to cut because of scope but you would wish could be in there and that was really the boss fights so this game would have come out without any of those boss fights Whoa. which i felt were super integral to each of those yes. levels mm-hmm. um and really helped like drive the themes home at the end of each of the levels and so it's awesome that they didn't have to compromise on any front with this game because of Microsoft coming in and really like giving them the financial leeway to make this game the way they want. And that's largely because of Game Pass. Game Pass really gave them that flexibility. I, I, this, this is going to sound, hopefully it doesn't sound like an insult, but like I feel like Double Fine is the perfect studio for something like Game Pass, right? Because their, their rep in the industry was like, yeah, they have their, their, it's a bit like Kevin Smith. Like they have their fans and they're going to sell a certain number of games, but you know, very, they don't have many like huge breakthrough hits that are going to sell tens of millions of yeah. copies, but it's like, even if you're Microsoft, re- even when they review exceptionally well, that doesn't really match right. sales. But, but if you're Microsoft and you have a service like Game Pass and you yeah. need content for it, they're the perfect studio for you because people yeah. love their games and you don't need to worry so much about game sales. And it's like, no, no, you're just going to give us, you're going to give us, you know, 90 plus games every time you ship a game and our Game Pass fans will be super excited. And, and with all that said, it's still in the PSN store. Fucking crazy. That's what, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that was a legacy <laughs> yeah. of, of the Kickstarter. They had so to weird. deliver. I think they even had to deliver a PS4 version of the game because yeah. of that. Wow. Um, yeah. I want to piggyback on what you said about Game Pass real quick. I feel like it also is like when Netflix give... Alfonso Cuaron a bunch of money to make yeah. Roma. It's like not as many people are going to watch that as watch Red Notice or whatever that movie's called. But it, <laughs> it, it lends um, it lends a bunch of clout and like critical acclaim and like notice to the service of like oh Microsoft is putting out like top tier creative games and putting them for free on Game Pass. Hey, yeah. I did. I I'm 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 the asshole who never touched a Psychonauts game until this year. Well, there's only, well, there's only so, two of them, right? I know, but, I, but, I, played, well, but yeah, I played both three. of them for for no for a technically no additional money down. They were part of. They were just easy to check out and start. Because yeah. and I and I definitely didn't. You know, I'm, I'm in I'm in the midst of playing Halo and being wowed by Halo, but like it doesn't compare to like how much more I like Psychonauts than I was expecting. Well, the the really cool thing for me about Psychonauts too is that it. It is basically the game that I always remembered Psychonauts 1 being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go back to Psychonauts 1, it still has that create that creativity, it still has that energy, it has that amazing premise and lots of really like inventive ideas, but it's it, it's kind of rough to play and I feel like the ugliness of the design is kind of also hurt by the ugliness of the system. Now the ugliness in Psychonauts 2 seems like a viable design choice. Yeah. Like, the curated yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, ugliness, yeah. not like, oh, this is just a result of some blurry texture. Well, to the point where that got weird, where it's like, I'm looking at 4K versions of these freakish human-like figures, where it's yeah. like the eyeballs aren't where they should be, and it kind of, you're like, ah. But no, what, what's funny is I went back... Man. 
Well, yes, I know that, but it was it was creepy. Um, I went back to finish Psychonauts this year before this game came out, and and I was playing on PC, so it was like super up res, and it was one of those things like, hey, really great textures on kind of lower geo. But the biggest difference you notice is like the levels are so much smaller in the original. Like this, liter- literally, mm-hmm. they took that formula and they're like. We're going to make it massive. Like Shockingly. each of the individual levels is way bigger and explores the premise. Like I feel like the first game like kind of just was like, yeah, here's the premise of this level. Okay, I get it within 10 minutes, right? This thing, like it really died. Like that 60s band flashback level, yeah. like they dive into that shit for like oh. two hours. I, mean, I was about to say, that, that's that, like that is, the centerpiece uh, level. The of this yeah, level. That, yeah, that is a masterpiece of game design. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That whole section is incredible. I, I just love it, the, the little mode of light that uh follows you around through that and it's constant commentary on everything yeah <laughs> i thought the inside of an eyeball would be goopier huh this kind of reminds me of our old stage setup cool what's that a new friend no an old friend then hey what are you doing oh that's right it's that kind of world Oh, it's a it's a bad world, right? I forgot. It's Jack Black, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the kind yeah, of world that Jack Black. Black who, who's when like, you don't recognize him at first. Entirely recognizable, like uh, no, no. A good performance. He, he actually does a good job in this game. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really, really good job. Uh, <laughs> he just plays a character who's not uh, Chris Pratt from Onward. Hmm. Like it's just, yeah, yes, <laughs> a rare yes. breakout role for Jack Black. Yeah, I did like. I want to sorry. Go, ahead. go back real quick. Um, go for it. Just I think it was something Chris said a while ago about like. No ill will to this game for taking so long, mm-hmm. but I think that this game kind of breaks that exception, like if or breaks that rule. Because if you think of like where is the new Metroid game, which you know I'm sure you've already talked about, but um, <laughs> or where's the new Elder Scrolls game or something that's already an established franchise, people mm-hmm. get anxious and people get mad when it doesn't show up. But the exi- the fact that a new Psychonauts came out and what what the new original Psychonauts is from 2004. And yeah. it did not sell well. No. And so the fact that it eventually got to this place where they're like, yes, we're going to make a sequel and put money behind it and it's going to turn out really good is essentially a reason for celebration. It was just it was one of the big wins for like Kickstarter as a, it, it wasn't Kickstarter, right? It was Fig. Fig it was their, their platform um, that they yeah, yeah. I think so they it, still so run it's, it's like shared uh, revenue sharing, right, with the, the founders. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. uh but even still, it, it was a big win for crowdfunding in general because the, this yeah. was a, a cult classic that really didn't feel like it had the potential to get funded any other way, yet it got such a big backing. And then the game in the end is such a great product of yeah. such high quality. Like, uh, you know, you won't you probably won't see another crowdfunding project that's as successful as this one. Um a Uden Chronicles, maybe that is a chance, but yeah. And that's that's my other favorite thing. In addition to being astoundingly well polished, I think Microsoft's best platformer ever. Um, it's the most well written game and conceived game I've ever played in my life. Like it's funny in all the right places. Yeah. Uh, its gameplay is directly tied to elements of its story or the thematics of the level in a way that's yeah. always surprisingly clever and there's always something new in most of these levels and and I, I, that's what I was taken aback by Micah's revelation about the boss fights it's difficult right? to Im- imagine my <laughs> yeah. love for this game mm-hmm. without those boss fights 
it also deals with some very adult serious themes but yeah. in kind of that the lighthearted psychonauts way like it deals with alcoholism in one in one yeah. level right it deals with some major stuff but you never feel like depressed or like that bogs down the game it's just kind of like mm-hmm. okay this is how this person's processed it in their whatever you call it their mental world that you have to go in and and try to help them with these issues you know it, but it's a uh, it's, it's it's also really a little uh uh, we keep doing that, Steve. Sorry, we're we're, we're very in tune. <laughs> go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, just I I love that the level design was like every level is reflecting both the the greatest strength and the greatest weakness of each individual character. So it's it's Ooh. what they perceive to be the thing that they're best at and the thing that's holding them down. So we mm-hmm. have like a medical administrator who's also got a gambling problem, and so we have a medical like a hospital casino. I really, never really cool. put that together, Steve. Yeah. Like, like the, um, yeah. the the alcoholism thing I was talking about. It's like there's also it's overrun with plants, and his whole yeah. thing yeah. is he's supposed to be like this awesome gardener guy. That's and and I love that plant. that that level in particular stands out to me because it kind of takes on a Wind Waker sort of vibe, where like you're just kind of sailing around for long stretches from from these between these little islands. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah the, the little yeah mm-hmm. almost like desert island things that just populate yeah. as you get and to then them. it's it's like you know a, a a big watery overworld that then leads to like these smaller or I guess discrete levels you'd call them. Um, yeah. Also, so, can we think of any other game that starts with a warning for teeth? Like yeah, people who are <laughs> so uncomfortable looking at teeth. teeth or... But it's such a it's a meaningful warning. Uh, yes, yeah. if you do have a phobia of teeth, that's going to be real bad. It's the first level too. I didn't yeah. until playing see. that level. Yeah. yeah, I do, and it was definitely scarier than Resident Evil Eight. I, I, yeah. I, oh my um, god! Like that Ren and Stimpy episode, like the oh, playable yeah. version of that. Just you know, the nerve playable version. Just the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, Something yeah. that is great about this game, though, is you know. The first game dealt with a lot of similar themes of mental illness, but this feels a lot more mature in its perspective of what mm. what mental illness mm-hmm. is yes. and um, yeah. and and the roots of mental illness. The the first game played a lot more into tropes about people in asylums and being crazy. Yeah, yeah right. The, yeah. These these sorts of things that the are a little more guy. outdated and literally yeah. thinks he's Napoleon. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, it, it had the, the conspiracy theorist guy you know, and, with all the secret yeah, agents. And, and they're head. in the literal ruins of an, a, an asylum, right? And like mm-hmm, th- mm-hmm. this game uh, moved forward 15 years in its perspective and outlook on those issues. Um, yeah. And it's really reflected in the writing um, and very appreciated, I think. I, I'm going to help I, you I, listeners with a thing that was bugging me for over 15 years. So Richard Stephen Horvitz, the, the, the voice of Raz... You probably say, oh, Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. The first place you saw him, if you're like me, he was the nerdy kid in the movie Summer School starring Mark Harmon. So there you go. You're welcome for, for figuring that out. I was like, wait, where do I hear that? I've heard that voice before. It's the nerd from Summer School. He's the so. Eddie Deason in that movie. <laughs> yes, Again, he is. Just like kind of perfect retroactive casting because they cast an adult man who is going to sound like a child forever. So <laughs> yes, six years true. on, yeah. you can make this game that takes place one day later and it's you, you don't lose anything yeah. by having the same cast. <laughs> Speaking I, I of casting of adult men children, uh, Elijah Wood in this yeah. game oh, is yeah. amazing. Just yeah. fabulous. And I don't think I heard enough praise of his performance. Yeah, He gets to do a lot with it. If you finish the game, you know, like he gets to go a lot of places with that character. And Wait, which one is just he? super fun. It's Nick. You can barely oh, tell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's another one who really kind of disappears into the part, you know, and yeah. uh, again with the uh, with the double fine veterans, because wasn't he in he was in Broken Age, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 
Max, right? One thing I want to talk about is um, sort of the welcome change of time because Steve and I played through every Nintendo 64 game, meaning there was a lot of games that were this style of platformer yes. and into that mm-hmm. next generation of PS2 and Xbox that when Psychonauts came out, the original, it was just like, oh, this is another just like collect things type of platformer. And now in 2021, a collect things type of platformer feels pretty cool and you're like wow i get to play a collect things type of platformer this is this is great yeah <laughs> yeah but it's not an excessive collect things type of platformer it's not like ukulele or something like no that. No. no i was able to 100 percent this one i got really yeah i mean it doesn't it. feel yeah. like a deliberate throwback to that style of game it's just like this is what psychonauts is and we're not gonna like update it and make you activate lighthouses to like improve your map vision I think they tie it well with the powers too. Like you, you realize you can finally collect certain things after you get certain powers, and yeah, it's it's kind of just fun to go back and like ah, I can. It's a little bit like a Metroidvania. You're like I can finally get to that thing that I I've, I've seen before. I had no clue. How I'm to not reach even it. done, and there's still all these things. Like I've been looking at that for hours. When am I ever going to be able to touch that? Yeah. When you finally activate the dark thoughts. <laughs> I don't even know if you're serious. I have not. I, I got distracted oh, yeah. before I could finish it. Yeah. Oh no, dark thoughts are a real thing. And again, again, all all the powers are like. Jesus Christ! All this stuff that, that has been mentioned, like a, a more mature look at um, mental health, if that's what you want to call it, or at least like a, a yeah, yeah. completely inoffensive look at mental disabilities. And then when you get those abilities, they're all like, "Wow, I've been to enough psychiatrists to know how clever it is to call <laughs> to, to name a power after this." Holy shit! And I love that the little uh, the little like mental paper avatar that Raz can make of himself oh, is yeah. the same voice as Gur from Invader Zim. Like oh, that yeah. was a great that was such a cool little touch that made me very happy. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I do like that. You know, I, I feel feel like among other things, the first Psychonauts was a game about like proving that you belong, that you're you know you're valid, you deserve a seat at the table. And mm-hmm. I like that this this game at the very start of it Metroids you, like sets you back to ground zero in a very humiliating way. Who are you? I'm Raz. Uh, Rasputin? I'm uh, your newest psychonaut? How's that? Ford Crowler, he gave me a badge. I've been kind of helping out. <laughs> Listen, kid, Agent Crowler is a hero. But he's not operating at 100%. He can hand out all the merit badges he wants, but he doesn't have the authority to commission psychonauts. Yeah, so he gets, he's an intern now, and he gets placed in the intern program, and he gets immediately bullied by the other interns. My name is Raz, and I'm the new intern. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I didn't ask for a new intern. Intern program's fool. Sorry, kid. He is clumsy. He'd probably get us all killed. And he's mean. Well, kid, we give it a fair shot, and it looks like it just didn't work out. Better luck next year. Guys, quit picking on the new kid. We were all new once, in case you forgot. Yeah, spoiler alert, you will like all these assholes before the end of the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Takes a little while, but yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, you you do have to. It is about proving yourself all over again and and earning the respect of others through your actions. So um. yeah, and one, one last thing I just want to say about this game is like I feel like the first one, Delphine does a great job of kind of nailing some childhood memory type stuff. Like the first one did a great job of being like, hey, this is a summer camp game. This one nails like. <laughs> 
there's there's like a 60s spy motif that was in so mm. many cartoons I used to watch growing up that this thing like almost harkens back to those. It's it's just like, oh yeah, I know exactly what they're going for because I saw this in so many. It's basically Venture Brothers, right? Yeah. Like the, when you get to the psychic thing, it's like, oh, this is Venture Brothers. Between oh, between totally. this and Deathloop, it's been a very big year for uh, 60s throwback aesthetics and yeah. games. Oh yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, probably the, probably the last big year for that, judging how uh, what the worker base will end up looking like. <laughs> Hey, is there anyone in this company a fan of the 60s? <laughs> well, in terms of furniture design, sure. <laughs> Everybody loves that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't recommend this game enough, and I come in as a, kind of a soft fan of the first game. And, and my, if I haven't said it, my biggest compliment to it is it's funny all the time. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's funny. It's, it Games funny. are never funny. They always fail at being funny. It's really hard to make games funny. Like we talked about mm-hmm. that on our show because it's just so much dependent on timing. Yeah. And the timing yeah. is never going to be as crackerjack in a video game as it is in a movie. So it's pretty remarkable when they can pull it off. Yep. Tim Schafer is one of the few people who can do that. He's been doing that his whole career. So. Yeah, that, that part wasn't as surprising. But for me, what was surprising when, I, when I, was, I told the guys where I was and like, oh, you're just starting to open things up. I'm like, it's been like 20 hours. I expected this to be a huge game. It's massive. A 15-hour yeah. experience. Holy shit. It, it, I'm, I'm still not tired of it. I just had to move on for stuff for work. Maybe I'll dig back in over the pandemic. And oh, yeah. ooh, thank you, Game Pass. I'm looking around. This is still like a $60 game. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And you got to play it for whatever you're paying for Game Pass. Congrats. <laughs> I believe my financial contributions have been Game Pass, give me a free month. Game Pass charged me $10. And then Game Pass gave me a free month with two additional bonus months. And then it was been a dollar since then. So I think I've had, I think I've played many games on Game Pass for a net total of Thirteen dollars, and again, you you think that would have angered the Kickstarter backers? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I gave Schaefer, I gave Schaefer two thousand dollars. Like I gave him nothing. Is this game not even physical? Like you can't buy a disc of. Oh, you can. Too? You can. I, I think you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's available point. at Target, which I just I haven't personally seen that. I I haven't seen it physical because again, whenever I see it in the PSN store, my, something ticks into my brain. Oh, By I the forgot. way, we were talking about 60s throwbacks. I have to mention Artful Escape because like I played this 60s level from this game pretty closely to when I played through Artful Escape. And so like mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I've been on several Yellow Submarine-like trips in games mm-hmm. this year. I love this. <laughs> yeah. well, seeing actual psychedelia in video games is mm-hmm. pretty cool. And it shows uh, Tim Schafer's Bay Area roots for sure. I, uh, I need was a blacklight. Like I don't have a blacklight anymore. In a nutshell there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Mike, I was shocked to find out a friend and guy I worked with, like worked with very closely on occasion, like uh, Michael, if you remember Chris Imlay, mm-hmm. he was the art director at like uh, one of the art directors at Future, Nintendo Power. And he's like, oh, that's... Uh, my band is playing on the pirate radio station because yep. <laughs> yes. he was in a ska punk band in the, in the early 80s and so Tim Schafer like packed that with like Bay Area bands and like I've heard of this band and I worked with you we didn't, you never mentioned this I mention all of my past triumphs all the time. <laughs> I'm so shocked. Queepy yeah. loves that band, man. That game, that band rocks. Well, I think that, yeah. that it's just the one song played over and over again. Welcome to my is. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But again, like a, a tribute to the Bay Area in general because that's like a famous Bay Area band. That's pretty cool. It is. It is all really neat and like didn't sac- have to sacrifice anything despite a massive corporate acquisition. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't. No, in fact, I, that helped them. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think Phil one. Spencer, he's like such a video game fan. Like, 
I think he loves those things that were like, let's call them critical darlings that didn't sell well. Like I think Phil wants to take all of those games and make them big through Xbox somehow. Like that is his deal. He wants to take cult classics and turn them into like fan favorite games, you know? Tell him to bring back Vex. (laughs) (laughs) The fans of Vex. Uh, hoodie, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh hell, that's a good example. Microsoft coming in and they, bringing back. They did yeah. bring that back. Yeah, they brought yeah. It back. yeah. Was that it was this fine. year too? I'm that was last, last year. year. Okay, last thank year. God. I'm gonna it buy was, a new. It one was probably that. better than you thought it was gonna be. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Yes, it was. That's true. Yeah, that's it wasn't true. as good as Streets of Rage Four, but it was a good no, beat no. Up. Few things are. Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2, much better than either of those things. Got it. Got a coveted spot on our Game of the Year list. We are super excited for this game. Super recommend it to everybody who's listening. But is it as good as... Well, well, Ethan Winters. You escaped my little brother's idiot games, did you? Let's see how special you are. Yes, mother. Yes, mother. Starting to go a little stale. Oh, lady, you have no idea what what (laughs) game is this? The sound of my balls being stepped on. (laughs) Um, Gotta be Ari Village. Yes, this is Resident Evil Village. Yeah. Ethan Winters, the only protagonist to take more damage directly to his hands than than anyone in Far Cry. And who's <laughs> who is joining us for this segment? Greg Moore here, and and who else? Micah Seth, back once again. And Thanks. Greg, where can people hear more of you or see more of you? Uh, I stream on Twitch uh, Monday through Thursdays, eight to eleven Eastern at Lacquerware, twitch.tv slash Lacquerware. It hopefully is a voice in the recently completed Bulk Slash. Ah, yes. I do have a... <laughs> yeah, I'm, in, I'm a background voice. Yeah, uh, I guess if I'm plugging that now. Yeah, we just finished the uh, fan localization patch for an old Sega Saturn game, Bulk Slash. Probably if you Google Bulk Slash, localization will come up. It's But it, it lives on SegaExtreme.net, and we're really proud of it. It's it's completely unofficial, but uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it sounding professional, as it should, because I've been a professional translator for many years. So if you like Saturn stuff, check it out. Well, we again, we are going to talk about Resident Evil Village. I think for me, this might be my favorite game of the year. It was early on, and uh, it's... I'm utterly shocked it was this year. Yeah. I've, <laughs> well, it was like the beginning this... of this year. It's been a long time. I purchased time. this game twice this year, and that's wow. very rare. Dang. I got the PS5 Black Friday thing. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, you don't have to keep purchasing it to play through it. They, they, I, they let you play through multiple times with the one I game. I lost the know? disc in a divorce that occurred during the ah, year. Okay. And rather than, like, why don't I just get the PS5 version and play it Which again? Which is great. It, it, yeah. it was a joy to play again. Yeah. yeah. When Actually, you say that... you lost the disc, you mean, like, the judge ruled against you in the custody <laughs> of the disc? Or you misplaced No, the I mean disc. that... Uh, that fuzzy bee sting left with it, and it's just not enough. It's too much trouble to go. <laughs> to go Oddly enough, back. the judge was a giantess, voluptuous woman. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah. uh, her hat kept growing every time she she Eight made a ruling tall. in the trial. <laughs> <laughs> That's still the best mod ever when her hat just gets like ridiculously large. Uh, no, this this Resident Evil was very. What I thought it accomplished very well 
it took all the cool, scary stuff from seven. Although I, I think seven's still a little scarier in my opinion, yeah. but um, oh, yeah. it, it grafted on everything I loved about their two remake, like two remake. I, I replayed a couple times, see the different campaigns and stuff. Like it, it managed to bring back in the resident evilness. I think a little bit more that maybe seven was lacking. And it's like, I get this really cool first person horror game, but also with that resident evil recipe of, Hey, keep playing through over and over to unlock cool new stuff and play in the mercenaries mode and unlock cool stuff. And it's like, I don't know why I, Michael and I, at one point we're talking like, I don't know what's driving us to keep playing through, yeah. but we do. Like, we played through like at least six six playthroughs for me. I, like I know it was five for me. It hits that perfect sweet spot, I think, between action and horror. And like by the time you play it, uh, like you're on your second playthrough, like all the horror just sort of ev- drains out of it, and it becomes yeah. this really really cool action game. Because like, okay, you know where all the scares are going to be. But that also lets you move through it much more confidently and much more quickly. And eventually you will understand why Ethan has this attitude when he's confronted with certain threats. I don't have time for this bullshit. Out of my way! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was was me at the end of the game in the, uh, well, can I spoil it? The whose segments they were? or just Let's just say another character segments. Like Mm. (laughs) By by, by the time you get to play through three or four, you're like, I don't have time for this bullshit because those are the hardest segments. Ah, these underpowered guns again. God damn it. Right, right. And I love that trick. Like your first playthrough, this is is God mode. This is the most powerful I'll ever be in this game. And then by the time you've played through it several times and have un... uh, I forget what the hand cannon is, but when you have like unlimited ammo for the hand cannon... Uh, you you hate going to those other segments because you're like, oh, I get to get these fucking pea shooters. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that feels so badass the first time, and then every time yeah. after that, it's like, ah, oh, now now I'm back to underpowered and uncustomized. Oh, what the hell? But I do love yeah that the future playthroughs end up kind of being revenge runs, like stuff you were scared of in the first one, or stuff that the game is designed to like, Hey, you're not supposed to fight this guy yet. You're supposed to lose this battle or whatever. Like, no, no. By that second or third playthrough is like, no, it's on and we're fighting and I'm beating you this time. Um, and I love that about it. I don't know. Uh, Micah, Greg, how many, how, what was your experience with this game? How did you so engage I, I, with it? I feel like you guys are underselling the horror aspects a little mm. bit of the game. Oh. I think, uh, you know, it, depending on what you're scared of, this game has one of the scariest uh, sequences in a horror game, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about, the House Benediento yeah. sequence. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as someone approaching 40 who doesn't want to ever have a baby, uh, that's like the most scary sequence in a video game, I'd say. <laughs> and I, I sat here and played through that sequence with my uh, ex next to me, who also really is terrified of ha- the thought of having children. And... Uh, it was we were both like at the edge of our seat like just just so scared of that freaking baby mm-hmm. um and so you know and that sequence was just so expertly crafted on top of tapping into one of my most primal fears um but the audio design the 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 pacing of it the way that it feels like you're you're always about to get nabbed by that baby um now i'm sure on subsequent play, p- playthroughs there is no horror there, right? Because you I know mean, it, how, it's still kind of constructed horrific. Um, Even if you know how it's constructed, like you still are defenseless, and it's it's yeah. all about just like you know running scared with this thing at your heels. And yeah. that thing gave me the most trouble in the whole game. So if I had to experience <laughs> that again, it 
I went back and played through that segment a few times. So I didn't play through the whole game again. I just okay. went back and played through parts that I liked. And that was mm. one uh, because I just really enjoyed it. I, I was so scared of that, that thing that I uh, – because basically, yes, you're, you're right, Mike. On subsequent playthroughs, it just becomes a game of – I don't even know what you'd call that game. as a good car where you run around the car and try to catch the person and they kind of change directions and stuff. That's basically what you have to do with that creature to the point where, like, the I'd gotten so good with this, that. The list this year. I've never heard of this game. <laughs> I, I wanted to see what would happen when you actually did get caught in the death, and it's pretty, it's pretty gross. Like, I made myself die to that oh, thing. I was like, holy bunch. It's a very long death, and that's why it's even more infuriating. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know, spoiler, like, you just got to run. Like, yeah. I got to hit it in the eye. Yeah, don't, or maybe if I kick it in the face. Don't, don't try to hit it. It's thing. just a baby, you <laughs> fucking monster. All the more reason. <laughs> I'm that upset about Texas and Mississippi. Well, that segment was like, did somebody from Silent Hill like craft this whole part because it has serious Silent Hill vibes? Yeah. But yeah, I think to your point, Mike, I like, yeah, no matter what you're afraid of, there is something in this game that is tailored to to trigger some sort of fear in you. Are you afraid of uh, werewolves? Are you afraid of giant sexy vampire ladies? Are you, are you afraid of uh, gross unsexy vampires? Are you afraid of... Creepy dolls, oh, uh, no. giant Don't babies. Do um, Don't do creepy doll clip. Okay. Biomechanical <laughs> horrors. <laughs> I hated that. that creepy doll. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't. I don't have a creepy doll clip. I do have a uh, overconfident Magneto nerd clip. You must be pretty tough, punk. Who the fuck are you? Oh, you're not local. Oh, you don't already know who I am. Oh, that's the other thing. This game has this really cool. You mentioned Magneto, but it really does have a superhero vibe to both yeah. the, the the heroes and the villains, and I I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, just so cool. Someone had mentioned to me before I played, they were like, yeah, Ethan is a superhero. But like, just coming off of 7, not even with any Resident Evil Village experience. And that, I, it's true. You know, that that's the way that he's he's constructed through the game. And the, the characters like this are these awesome supervillains. They're so cool. Yeah, yeah they, they almost did the me- or the Metal Gear Solid thing yeah. where there's like a, a domain with like a supervillain at the end of it, which in, which itself is sort of a Mega Man thing. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny that they got away with it while still being pretty scary. And I think it's because they realized that uh, they could by having these like, uh, you know, disparate themed regions they could also address one of the perennial issues with horror which is that if you're not scared of this one particular thing then the whole thing is not going to be scary to you and Mm -hmm. it's so you know like what's scary to one person is so like there's so many variables that determine that so now you're you have a game where the thing that's scaring you is changing every like hour so that they're hitting as many people's fears as possible and also keeping the game really fresh. I I felt like it's also just really fun. Like, they've always worn their horror influences on their sleeve, and I think they really ramped that up with 7, where there were were a lot of really obvious ones. Like, the Evil Dead remake is really strongly channeled, and then there's, like, Texas Chainsaw. But they upped it even more in this one, really. I felt like every 15 minutes I was spotting some pretty what what felt like a really clear reference to a specific movie or other game 
Yeah. I think one of the cool tricks too is in addition to like, yeah, the different I mean you're absolutely right, Greg. There's they're like different themed areas with the different bosses. Some of them actually play completely differently. It's it's just like we were talking about the doll segment, right? And that and that is kind of like this strange puzzle house, but it's it's one of the scariest parts of the game because you're just always expecting something to pop out and get you. Uh there the next segment I think it is is, is with the giant fish man yeah, guy. Like that's mostly just like an environmental puzzle section. There's very little combat in that section. It's mostly just here try to fight figure out how to get over here uh yeah. to to crank this lever or whatever yeah, to to get to the boss battle unload everything and and on this giant unstoppable fish mutant <laughs> during mm-hmm. the boss who, battle. who throws up on you <laughs> yeah, yeah his, his attack is basically just puking but it's interesting like we're talking about all this this horror stuff and how effective the game was that it scares meanwhile it had a marketing campaign in japan that i absolutely <laughs> loved a series of youtube videos that had this theme song So it's uh, basically telling people it's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> like people weren't playing Resident Evil 7 because it was too scary. So they were like, look, our game is very cute. And we've recast all the bosses as these adorable puppets. <laughs> and they have <laughs> gruesome adventures together. But yeah, I, I feel like they were trying to maybe step back a bit from that. But at the same time, like ha- deliver scares, but in a more crowd pleasing way. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but that's an interesting thing, and that's that's a concept that I've been introduced to being on the publisher side of games a bit more, is that, like, if you make a game too scary, people might not want to play it, and that that is not something you want. You want as many people to play your game as possible. That might be okay with your $20 early access game, kid, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, <laughs> not your global <laughs> full-price product. Yeah. Which is but, it's funny, because that's kind of what happened with the series already yeah. with, like, 4. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then more and more with five and six. Uh, yeah. More and more all the time. It just and it, then got, it got like, more action oriented. Yeah, the and the more action oriented it got, the better it sold. Right. <laughs> but then with seven, it was like they rolled up their sleeves, like, "Oh no, you want mm-hmm. the scary back?" And they made it really scary. Yeah. I guess it didn't totally work out for them. <laughs> well, no, I mean, seven I, it did was though, right? Sold it's well, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best selling besides six is that right yeah because they were saying they there was a lot of promos that they did with seven right before eight so it was like yeah it ultimately became the best selling resident evil title and it's it's in the minority of resident evil games with only two editions that exist like everything (laughs) everything else is like 49 skus and like 90 platforms yeah yeah yeah. i bought resident evil 4 again this year (laughs) got resident evil 4 vr hell yeah Yeah, it makes me sick, so I can't play it. It's really sad. <laughs> what a review. <laughs> I was worried it would be too scary having all that stuff in my face, but it's just like, oh, but it still looks like the PS2 graphics, so I can't be that scared. Of yeah, it. that's not that. it's not that scary. It's also, uh, you're probably like me and have played Resident Evil 4 so many mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Like, it's hard to be super scared by that game, but... It is really awesome until I want to throw up, and then I can't. Uh, oh, I can't put on my my uh, quest for a week again after that. You know, I have to cool this down. This game makes me sick. 
<laughs> yeah, they should have used that. Yeah. Like Blair, I remember uh, the hype around Blair Witch making people leave the theater throwing up, and I was like, "Oh, it must be really scary." It's like, no, the camera's just shaky. Yeah. What, yeah, what were they? Yeah, okay, yeah, I was like, "What were they throwing up at?" Oh, ooh, they shook a tent. Ooh. Yeah. Gilligan's Island theme song was pretty bad, sung by Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just all this shaky cam. Ah, can't stand all this found footage. But yeah, Resident Evil Village. Um, absolutely loved this game had a hard time putting it down for a couple of weeks yeah you know when this game came out it was uh right on the heels of monster hunter rise which Mm -hmm. i i loved as well and so i had put in you know like 120 hours into that and i was just riding super high on that and then this came out and it's like man capcom can just do no wrong right now I don't feel like they followed that up with anything else strong this year, but you didn't like such that Ghouls str- and Ghosts Resurrected. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I actually didn't pick it up, but that was before these two. I think I I'm, think I'm teasing. Was, yeah, I, uh, I know. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, you know, there was just such a strong one-two punch that it felt like man, like if Capcom can do this coming out of COVID with like obvious impacts on the development of these games, and they're still so strong. Uh, that that to me was very impressive. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I remember wondering while playing this, like, how did they get this done with COVID? Like, yeah. I was shocked, yeah. you know, because yeah, because its polish phase would have been like peak pandemic. People are at home, you know. So yeah, yeah it's, good on it's, them. Because I think we're going to see a bunch of uh, interesting behind the scenes of how the games we like now were affected by an entire year of COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how because I, I understand working remotely, but like Matt's, I don't understand. That just seems like a, a billion times more paperwork for every little thing you discuss. It just it sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. It's hard also because you're just like transferring a lot of data back and forth every day if you're on yes. the development team. <laughs> yep, yep. Those builds are huge, man. Yeah, that's right. I'm thankful this year for fiber. What holiday is it? <laughs> Fruit and fiber. Fruit and fiber. And again, I think I think it's my tum tum disease that. Uh, it's made this feel. I, I, I think I felt the end of the year was when I my appendix exploded because that's when I got the most time to play games. I am baffled that this and Monster Hunter came out this year. It, it seems like yeah. two hundred thousand years. It's been ago. a long one, yeah. Really but this is. this was the title that made me finally put down Monster Hunter because I yeah I was sinking so many hours. It was into that. after Monster Hunter. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. God. Like I, I it was like uh, you know you play hundreds of hours of Monster Hunter and then Resident Evil comes out and it's like yeah, yeah what, what the a year. Fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Resident Evil Village is our game of the year. Woo! Bring out the puppets. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Encore, encore. And that is our top five. Very Woo. sorry to everyone who was expecting Returnal to be on it. I know that's a lot of people's favorite games. But that is that is the end of our top five. But it is not the end of our final show of 2021. Because we still have... The community segment, which is always segmenting our community. And the question of the week is, of course, what is your favorite game of 2021? Your game of the year, as it were. Guests, what do you have to say? Greg Moore, what is your personal game of the year for 2021? I'm gonna I'm gonna use this opportunity to plug Steel Assault, which may as well be my game of the year. I haven't I haven't decided yet, but it's it's a small uh, sort of throwback to like the 16-bit run-and-gun era. It feels kind of like a Contra Hardcore game like that. It's really well designed. Oh, yeah, what, is it's, that free on Game Pass? I think I got it. Oh, is it? Uh, that would be cool if it I is. Think it was. It, the it day, was like the 15 bucks though, like by default. So like, 
check it out if you're into old school action games. It's really fun and pretty and well designed and uh, replayable. I'm waiting for the sequel. Steal a salt and pepper. <laughs> Man, I love their songs. Mike Seth, what is your personal game of the year? Well, I've been trying to think about it long and hard, and although I want to say that it's No More Heroes 3, just to be a little bit of a hipster, truly, it's Psychonauts 2. So thank you for having me on to talk about Psychonauts 2, because, wow, what an amazing game. I've been waiting since the first Psychonauts to see a sequel, and I never actually thought that I would, so it was such a delight to not just get a sequel, but get one that was so fantastic from start to finish. So, awesome. Cat Bailey, what is your personal game of the year for 2021? I think it's a game that's kind of weirdly overlooked, despite being a temple release and a console exclusive, and that is Returnal, mm-hmm. which yeah. came out earlier this year, and it was my first, what I would really call a next-gen experience. It did a lot of things that I really liked in that it took indie game mechanics like roguelike mechanics and managed to implement them in an intelligent way into a AAA blockbuster release. The action was impeccable. I love how arcadey it is, but it's yeah. in a blockbuster context. I thought the structure was really real well done. It's really spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though Housemark is going from kind of his bullet hell arcadey things to more of a traditional blockbuster, they're not sacrificing their identity. This is definitely a Housemark game, mm-hmm. but it's gorgeous. There, oh my god! There's floating bullets you dodge. Yeah, it's it's straight up Housemark shit with bullet hell. Sometimes you're like, yeah. oh, there's bullets coming away. I got to roll out of the way. I'm just a oh. sucker for new IPs and new ideas, and I thought Returnal did all of it and did it all really well i think it's the best action game of the year and it's my personal game yeah. of the year. Ugh, I, I hear when that you don't, a lot. when you just got a ps5 you hate to hear it but i also <laughs> like that house mark sounds like a really great wrestling term mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the laughter Matt. <laughs> i understood it i get it well, all right leif johnson what is your personal game of the year Generally, what I like is a, is a lot of action, really good art direction. I'm a really big fan of multiplayer games and stuff like that. So I would say my personal game of the year, the one I've tossed the most hours into and would love you know, to play more, is Monster Hunter Rise. So that kind of worked out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of with you. That's the one I played the most, too. Yep. Yes. Can't wait for that expansion. I will definitely, mm-hmm. definitely be putting another 80 hours into it. Thank you to everyone who was on this show and who helped make it so awesome and who helped make our 2021 so much fun. You know, this has been the second of two very difficult years. And to everyone who has taken the time to come on and be a guest on our show and to listen to our show and to join our Patreon, I would just like to say you have made this year better for at least the three of us. I like to think it's it's better for more people because you all get to listen to us and, you know, I, I have no idea why you all listen to us week after week talking about video games, but I really appreciate your love and support. So thank you so much for listening. I, have, I personally have had one of the worst years of my entire life. Yes, and I know you have. <laughs> even the mechanism I use to tell you all about my life, I was not able to do that. And someday I hope to, but I hope it's enough to know it was excruciating. This is, And, and if you feel the same way, you're not alone. It was the by far the worst year I've ever experienced. Pain, heartbreak, some yeah, some physical pain too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was all bad, all bad. Yep. No, I, I I've had some some hard stuff happen to me personally this year, but I will say, and I don't mean to 
she get too, too, you know, whatever, emotional here. But uh, I've looked forward to recording this show every week with you two guys. Oh, so I want to thank you. Uh, it's always a bright spot of my week to get to do this show with you. And it's also a bright spot of my week to just get to see the listeners' reactions to the shows. And, and occasionally, you know, one of you listeners will thank us in comments and stuff. And yeah. uh, we see those and we always appreciate those. And um, thank you because you guys are the reason we do this quick bit of business by the way you might go well wait i heard all the guest personal game of the year if you actually want to know what each of our three individual games of the year are it's on that patreon show patreon.com slash laser time when we do the ordering we all revealed what our personal number one choice would have been so check it out there do we want to do games of the year that maybe weren't on that list or that aren't on that uh that's that's the other thing uh yeah we well because i want to talk about inscription briefly Mm -hmm. (laughs) that game is fucking amazing you, you both should play more of it. I know, Matt, Matt you played it some. Chris, you probably yeah. won't because it's on Steam. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, I played it enough to get to the big turn, for sure. <laughs> you, play, you played it enough to get to one big turn. Yes, There's I know. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, um, I, I'd i say for me, the one that didn't make it, that I'm, I'm like, man, we're, uh, I'd feel remiss not to mention Loop Hero. Mm-hmm. I really loved my time with... Uh, we're talking about time loop games. Uh mm. Loop game in a different way, but uh, that game is amazing uh, and definitely worth your time and checking out. And it's got it's got all the cool old school vibes with the font and stuff like that. And and actually, um, before before we go to Chris's choice, I will just say one of the other things I'm working on for the Patreon is I think I'm thinking about putting together kind of a the others show where we talk about some of our cho- our personal choices that oh. didn't make the cut this I year. I thought you meant from Lost. Oh, <laughs> so um, look forward to that in the new year on the Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time, where you get to hear some of some more of our other personal faves that didn't didn't make the cut. Chris, what's your personal fave that didn't make the cut? I don't know that I have any. Can you think of anything I might say? Because like <laughs> everything, everything I liked kind of made the cut. And I think your I think your thing was you wanted Death Door to be really just be higher on the list. Yes, but, uh... I did. It, it, it should have been higher. And Matt even argued it lower than its <laughs> organic voting would have placed it. So like, thanks a lot. That's for it's that organic chicanery. voting was like you and one other person who isn't a regular on this show. So, but it's weighted. I, I actually have yours for you. It didn't come out this year, although maybe maybe an HD version did. But I know you and I both went back and played through Far Cry 3 and both spent oh, yeah. a ton of time and enjoyed the hell out of that game. Like... Far, Cry, Far Cry 6. In, um, oh, there you go. 6. There, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I played a ton. I played an absolute fuck ton of Far Cry 6. I just thought, despite having fun with it and have I had a review that I would have given it a decent score, it was the least remarkable Far Cry I've played in a while, and I think that formula needs a little bit of a shake-up, and um, not just the location. Mm. So, But the DLC showed that like that could probably happen, and DLC has been super fun so far. DLC so I can't is wait. wonderful. Oh, yeah, that DLC is amazing. Plus, I mean, that game, you know, let me say Pinga, like, for a good three weeks straight, just calling I, everyone I Pinga, that which don't no, do that. No fewer than three different ways to say fuck in Spanish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You know, pinga, chinga, and jode. Jode. Yes. Yeah. Jode yes, is the, the preferred Spanish, like, uh, Castilian version. Yep. I knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first Spanish, some of the first Spanish phrases I ever learned as a young child were all the swear words. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so what is your personal game of the year? We'll ask one more time before we read the best answers on next week's show when we come back for 2022. Go to videogameapocalypse.com and answer into the comments for episode 450, 451, or 452. And uh, we will collect from there. We will also collect from the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Anyway, that has been our show. Do we have anything left to plug? That's it. Democracy. Yeah, Let's see if we can keep this going. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, at Maddie C. Allen, M-A-T-T-Y-C-A-L-L-E-N. And yeah, once again, patreon.com slash laser time. Go there to hear us argue about Game of the Year stuff. And why not check out one of our fine spoiler casts while you're there or any of the other stuff that you get for being a patron. Anyway, that has been our Game of the Year show for Extravaganza! Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. You said it's your game of the year, really? My, well, it's my personal game of the year. The, yeah. here, here's a little secret about this this show. We record all these entries separately, and we have not actually yet discussed what order they're <laughs> going to be in. So this could be number one for all I know, or it might not. Um, yeah, I don't want to make it, any promises. In terms of behind the curtain, the group chat, Michael and Matt and I are in, this is the this is the game that was most actively played and constantly discussed among at least you two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And by sure. the way, you can get to hear us order all of these on patreon.com slash laser time, where we're going to oh. be once again, putting up the bonus show where we, Chris, Michael and I debate the order. We should put all of these in at the end of the day. So uh, let's yeah. See how tired I am. That sounds fine. Let's do that. That sounds <laughs> fine. I'm okay with that number. That sounds fine. Let's go. <laughs>